This episode, you meet Lee Cuevas, one of our older cadets. Not that he's an old guy. He's got a youthful spirit even today. Uh, the reason being is he went from uh, a student at the University of Illinois to a uh, potential draftee into Vietnam. So he said, oh, I'm going to go jump in the Air Force. Uh, became an enlisted guy in the Air Force. And then while he was going through that process, uh, he got uh, assigned to the prep school in Colorado Springs, followed by the uh, entrance into the academy. He became a uh, Air Force pilot, did that for a, a period of time, and then had a very successful career after his Air Force career as a as a UPS pilot, seven flying seven five sevens and seven six sevens. You're going to enjoy this. He's now is a race car driver in Arizona. Well, I I always start these with the same question. That is, what what is your message for the uh, incoming class, the current cadets, the recent grads, and and some of the guys to, of our generation that are listening in? Okay. Well, my my message is, don't forget your oath. You promised to defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies both foreign and domestic cool i think that's a top, top timely topic <laughs> yeah i think so um, especially, especially the domestic part of it or just the fact that we had uh you know i i don't know if i briefed you on this but we had the in our freshman year we had some very interesting dynamics happening in the u.s and maybe you could remember recount recall some of that stuff for us. See, that was uh, what 1972. Yeah. Uh, let's see. That's a that's pretty hard to remember, John. <laughs> okay, well, I'll I'll, I'll just uh, trigger for you. One of uh, 72. There was a um, let's see, Nixon, the Nixon tapes. Well, that, yeah, that was that was happening, but I'm thinking more of the uh, anti-military, anti-sword oh. hair uh, situation that we faced leaving campus. Well, yeah, well, that had been going going on for you know almost five years by then. Well, you you were too young. You, I graduated from high school before you did, and I and I was in. Uh, I saw the. Uh, I was I was enlisted at the time, and I saw the, the race riots in the in the chow halls on base. These were these were not, uh, very good times for the military. There was a real struggle with uh, trying to. Um, uh, how you say it? Deal with the uh, social situation in the military, which which had a bunch of old fogies, you know, who had a certain way of doing things, and all these young kids, you know, they they just didn't want to do it that way anymore. So how? Okay, so now now you're triggering the great question: of what 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 was your childhood like? How did you get to the academy? Oh, my childhood! Oh, I was depressed. Oh. No. <laughs> um, you know, where'd you grow had, up and that kind of stuff? I had a very, uh, I say, uh, probably average childhood um, for for a U.S. citizen. I was not rich. I was not dirt poor, but we were not, uh, how you say, uh, comfortable. How, that's a good word to use. We... Uh, we had to save our money. We had to go down the alleys of the town, picking up bottles and stuff to get enough money to buy candy and comic books. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember getting uh, going out every day, or well, every day we had time, and, and getting about four or five bottles and going getting a soda and a comic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's. You know, you, I think we got two cents a bottle at that time, which yeah. was at that time was a lot of money. We also look, like to look at the bottom of the bottle and see how far away it was. Oh, I never did that. I just because I didn't feel like cleaning them. I just went toss them in the wagon and took them over there. <laughs> cool. So, where, where did you grow up mostly? I grew up in uh, Sterling, Illinois, a little farm industrial community about ninety miles west of Chicago. Sort of, sort of a little bit isolated, a little island out there. Yeah. So what attracted you to the military? <laughs> or should I say, what, 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 what did the military do to get you? <laughs> oh, well, they were going to draft me. That's what they got me. 
I yeah. I was at the University of Illinois at the time. This is 1969, 1970, and um, things were getting hot and bothered you know, in Vietnam. They hadn't talked yet about leaving there, but the, they were pushing the draft really, really hard. And it went the, I think it was the first, one of the first calls in 69 or yeah, 69 or 70. Can't remember, but uh, yeah, my number came up and a bunch of guys were just, I was with them while the numbers came out and they go, Holy shit. And they, everybody went to go visit their armor recruiter. wondering what they needed to do, even though we were in college, uh, it wasn't clear whether that would be enough to get a deferment. Mm. So uh, this is the beginning of it. So I, so I was in Air Force ROTC at the time, and I said, "Well, you know, I'll just I'll join the Air Force and see what happens." So uh, I, I tossed my draft card and I went over to my Air Force recruiter and said, "I want to join the Air Force." And he said, "Okay." Well, then we uh, took all these tests and stuff. I said, "Okay." You know, yeah, we we can get you a pretty good job in the Air Force. I said, fine. So I got I, I joined the Air Force. Uh, uh, went through um, let's see, San Antonio, Texas. Yes, three. I had a lot of relatives in San Antonio who had gone to the Air Force. Uh, so uh, I met one guy there, Richie or something. I think that was his name. But he was a college grad, and wow. he was there. He was there with me, and I said, and, and they they finally asked him, "What are you doing here?" So, well, I'm doing duty. I'm doing, you know, I'm joining the Air Force. And they said, "Well, you know, you're you're officer material. You got your college education. We want you to go over to uh, uh, I forget the, what the, what what they called it, some section of yeah, some the, the section smart, of smart group, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they they took him into the officer uh, training school, OTS. There you go. They, they took him right over there, and then that's where he spent the rest of the time. And I said, well, that sounds like a good deal. But anyway, so I, I went through all that, and I, I went to school at uh, electronics, missile electronics school at uh, Chinook Air Force Base. Uh, it's a just north, north of the University of Illinois, in fact, in Rantoul, Illinois. Yeah, she went right so, back home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost, almost the same thing. And I, and I remember back then, this is 1970. You could still hitchhike if you wore a uniform. You could hitchhike all the way across the United States, no problem. <laughs> no, nobody would hassle you. They would pick you up and take you as far as they were going. If yeah. going that way, that's fine. That people still respected the uniform at that time. And uh, so I got home yeah, about every two or three weeks, you know, hitch yeah. and ride. So that was kind of that was kind of interesting. I'd never done that before. So uh, anyway, I finished I finished missile school and and while I was there, about uh, two weeks before I graduated the missile school uh, for Miniman two and three, um, this uh, officer came through the course and asked if anybody was interested in the Air Force Academy. And this is like May nineteen seventy one. Okay. And I, 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 so I said, yeah, I'm, I looked at my buddies. Nobody raised their hand. So I raised my hand. <laughs> he said, well, come <laughs> with me, son. <laughs> so I went with him and he interviewed me and he says, I, I think you, I think you have no problem. Let's, let's see what we can do. And we had to, uh, I had to get in touch with my, uh, Senator and representative and had to go through that route because that's, that's how they normally put kids or young men into the air force Academy. And, right. uh, so, Finished. Uh, I took an extra course on in aerospace soldering, believe it or not. So this left me in uh, at, at Rantoul until June, uh, almost the end. No, no, the end of May. Yeah, in 1970 and uh, 71. Sorry, 71. And I got my orders to go to um, where was that? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> not Colorado Springs. North Dakota. It was North Dakota. Um, okay. Minot. Yeah, Minot, North Dakota. I had these orders to go to Minot. I guess, oh, holy shit, I'd never been that far north. <laughs> <laughs> so I got my orders. So I was getting ready to go uh, to go to Minot. And, and uh, the next two days later, I got orders to go to the Air Force Academy. I go, holy shit, that was nice. <laughs> so, but it was not to be a cadet. I had to go to the uh, the prep school. 
I said, oh, okay, okay. That's, fine. that's fine. I mean, that, that shouldn't be any problem. So I went to the prep school at the Air Force Academy and uh, raised my AT scores a little bit. Not much, but just enough. I didn't. I didn't think I had a problem there. But anyway, we 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 took math and English. Those were the two courses that so we what took was, there. What was the military discipline like at the prep school? Well, they try to emulate what what we would what would we encounter at the academy. You know, our duly year. So okay. the funny thing, the other, funny thing other... is the only the only people I did not rank were the uh, was the officer, uh, the two officers in charge, and the. And the sergeant, the the master sergeant. I was the yeah. sergeant at the time. But the, the, the <laughs> I, said, oh, was fun. <laughs> I was yeah. making I was making a lot of money actually. <laughs> so so the prep school was run by a bunch of junior enlisted guys, right? Uh, no, it's it's run by senior enlisted guys and some officers. Okay. Uh, they uh the only I think the the lowest rank I saw there at that time was a staff sergeant. Okay. I think he was an admin guy, but there were a bunch of techs and master sergeants there. And how well did they emulate Dooley year? Uh, as far as I could, uh, well, then my Dooley year came, and it was it was it was pretty close, not not as harsh, because you know you got young guys yelling at you instead of old guys, you know, so it makes, <laughs> a, makes a little bit difference. Um, so I got there uh, to the Air Force Academy and. Uh, Went through that uh, basic training, so that was a piece of cake. You know, had the physical thing. The funny thing was when I went to the air, went to the prep school, is that I got off the airplane at Colorado Springs, and they took us on a, with a bus up to the academy. And I go, "Wow, what a pretty place this is!" You know, it looked like yeah, a park. Yeah. <laughs> Until the next morning at four o'clock, said, "Okay, you scrubs, let's go." Where are we going? We're going on a little walk. <laughs> I think it was a five mile, five mile march thing, and uh, but it, there's no air up there, yeah. and I was <laughs> even though I even <laughs> though I had I had prepped myself, you know, you know, running, you know, a couple miles a day and stuff, it, it still wasn't enough. So anyway, I it, 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 I was already acclimated to the Air Force Academy when I was a uh, became a, a dually, so that was no problem. Um, okay, and you already learned uh, how to shine your shoes and everything. I'm sure, right? Yeah, we we ran in boots. We didn't run in tennis shoes, which well, was, was a lot. It was a lot harder. I'm thinking uh, spit shine type shoes. Yeah, you, you, know, how, you oh. know how to shine shoes and, and oh yeah, them. yeah. In fact, I don't think I uh, I think I uh, I ended up with just a pair of uh, regular shined shoes or what are the vinyl shoes? Those were oh the core fam things. <laughs> yeah, a lot of guys use those, and those were. Those are okay. Cut down the amount of work you had to do. Yeah, well, my my dually year, they wouldn't allow us to have those in our squadron. Yeah. Well, anyway, that 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 beast, the first part of it, I end up being den mother because I was the oldest. I had military training. I was teaching all all my my little squadron mates. I think it was squad or whatever it was, and yeah. uh, and teaching everybody how to shine their shoes and you know, make sure your <laughs> creases are done. Blah 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 blah, and uh. So I was I was actually fairly it was fairly easy for me. They didn't they didn't give me I don't think nearly the pressure of the the guys that just came out of high school. I mean, you could tell the yeah. difference between, between a prep schooler and a high schooler for sure. They might have they might have tried, but you were rolling your eyes, and they said, "Okay, well, oh, yeah." <laughs> Plus, I knew all, I knew all the tricks. You know, put put garlic in my in my mouth and, and don't brush your teeth <laughs> anymore. I knew all those tricks and yelled right straight at their faces. It, just those tricks, and they go, "Oh man, Clovis is getting bad breath. I'm not gonna yell at him anymore." <laughs> no, I, yeah, anyway, yeah, I, I, if actually, and actually, at that time, there were four upperclassmen, uh, all the way from, yeah, a senior, junior, and sophomore. It's a, a first, sec, uh, I mean, first, second, and third. There were th four upperclassmen at the academy already who were from my high school and i wow. knew them wow yeah in that high school we only graduated like 300 if i remember correctly but th That's but i had the i had the break i was in the military already before i went there and they went straight to the academy which uh, cool. yeah so uh, anyway 
so I had some buddies and we, we had, it was actually a good time that first year. And that first year I did something very unusual. I was, I was, um, um, I was a DJ on AFA, oh, really? AKFN or what do they call it? AKAFA or whatever it was. Yeah. K- yeah. KFA. I had a good time to the, the big wigs didn't like me that much because I have a comment on things every now and then. You know? <laughs> they wanted just somebody to read the lines and play the music. That's all. That's all they wanted. I said, "Well, can't do that. You got to add something in here." You know, it's just kind of boring. Pull, how, how'd you hear about that deal? I don't know. Uh, I think. Uh, well, I was in. I was in the Thirteenth Squadron, which was uh, in the in the old dorm, and just. Uh, on the other side of the terrazzo from where the radio station was. And I had run into somebody or somebody on the radio had said something about them needing some volunteers. And I said, so I did that. Did you get and out was, of any of the harassment by doing that? Um, I did some, but some people harassed me because I was on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of had a boomerang effect. You got away from some stuff, but then they they doubled up on you when they got you. Huh? Yeah, that's yeah. It's like uh, it's like like mo- being a movie star. You get you get you get the the good and the bad. But I, it's all right. I had a good time doing it anyway. That's really neat. So how long did you do the KFA stuff? I did it for uh, six months. Okay, yeah. so just dual year. Yeah, just duly year, so that that was that was that was enough. Had enough of it. So then, then after duly year, you get assigned to this incredible little crowd called the Pink Panthers. Yeah, no, I went to Twenty Eight Squadron, which was down the hall. Really? What happened there? Well, how'd that happen? That was that was uh, that would have been yeah that was that would have been uh, after duly year, and that uh, that was. The, yeah, that year after after we finished there, the uh, the sophomore year, that's when the class of seventy five bailed out, and they and they moved us all around the squadrons. They had to reallocate people. Okay. So I ended up in thirty six squadron. I did not know that. What was I, that? For some reason, I for some reason I thought you came right right to us uh, as a sophomore like everybody else. No. Uh uh-uh. uh, I, I I came into the back door. because well, so, we didn't really lose anybody, so I'm curious why they threw you over at our place. Uh, no, you might have, but there there were uh, other a whole a whole bunch of seventy uh seventy five uh anti grads, I guess, left, and and there were some, I guess, a lot of open spaces, so they just moved us moved us uh, a bunch of us around. I said, wow. okay. Yeah, that was kind of interesting because you're right. I, I was I was in 28th and I knew all those guys and we we did a whole bunch of things together. And then they moved me to 36 and I was a new guy again. <laughs> same same dorm area but different group of people. So how how did we accept you? Were we okay? Um, uh, I think initially, of course, I was a little bit uh, unnerved because they moved me, but. After a while, I got to know you guys and stuff, and we had a great time with you. Uh, in the meantime, before that, I was uh, I, I was like, uh, remember that movie, um, Officer and a Gentleman? Yeah. Uh, uh, what's his name? Plays the uh, plays the old uh, old sergeant's kid, and and he knows all this crap about the okay. military. You're the drill sergeant guy. Yeah, it was sort of like that. All these uh, these upperclassmen knew me, and they were because I knew these other upperclassmen, and uh, I would get uh, for doing them favors. Uh, I guess I can say it now. I bought beer because I was <laughs> I was over I was over twenty one already. Well, I thought Colorado uh, was what a, I thought they were younger age state too back then. Yeah, but you still had to be twenty one to buy it. Okay. Okay, so they would let me have their cars. You know, for a, a, a day or two on the weekend, but as long as there was a six pack in the back, you know, <laughs> I said, oh, "That's that sounds like a good deal to me." <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's how I got through that first uh, two years. That was interesting. <laughs> so, did you get involved in any of the antics that the Pink Panthers did? I, you guys had already been, uh, I say it. 
uh, you guys have been together for a full year before I was even there. So I, I think I missed out on most all that stuff. I was not uh, socially ingrained in your, in your culture. I guess that's how you call it. You hadn't lost your mind yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, well, the first game to give me a, for a roommate was, uh, um, uh, was that Roger? Yeah. Roger contact was my first roommate. Okay. Yeah, Roger's a great guy. We had a good time. Oh yeah. And then I had uh that was that would have been junior than senior. Uh had uh, oh I, I had ended up with Pat Murray. Okay. I'd be a, I I was like had to watch him. Yeah. I think that's what the, I think that's what the word was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all had to watch Pat. We all had to watch each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, I, I, I remember Pat, you know, walking around at night and doing strange things, and I would tell him, "Hey, Pat, go to bed." <laughs> he, I, he, I, I'd hear him. He'd, he'd be sitting on the on the corner of the bed, acting like a rooster, oh going. I go, holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> hey, Pat, go to bed. <laughs> yeah. For those of you that don't know Pat, Pat's a great guy. He just had he did not fit at the academy after three and a half years. They they walked him out. Yeah, yeah. He was a he was a good guy. I I, I like Pat. That was sad to see that happen to him. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't think he's as sad now as he was then. He, I think no. he's really overcome it and he's really kind of grateful he didn't keep going through that stuff because it was just too much he would he like you was another one of the older guys who just didn't like putting up with all the baloney yeah how, well, how I, was see. it for you to do that i mean because being an older guy getting yelled at by these young kids that must have been weird it was it was kind of weird well it's strange when i first came into squadron i knew uh oh what's got fazio and a couple of those other guys you know the guy, the guy that had the engine engine in his room. He was rebuilding. <laughs> I thought that was kind of strange. How do you get away with that? <laughs> that I couldn't tell you. But on Saturday mornings, it was still sitting in the middle of the room. Of course, it was nice and neat and stuff. But you know, I don't know how he got away with that one. <laughs> you you, you oh, knew about Lord. that, right? You knew about that, didn't you? Well, I I've heard the story about Pete Mapes doing dissections in the sink. I don't remember. I don't remember an upperclassman getting away with the engine parts in his room during a Sammy, but I, I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was uh, his last Fazio. I can't remember. With a sheet or something. And yeah, I can see them. No, letting him fact, get away. I don't. In fact, I remember walking past there on a Saturday morning. I don't know what I was doing, but it was not covered with a sheet. It was just there, and it was it was nice and neat, and it looked like he he cleaned it all, you know. So it was just sitting there, and uh, waiting to be put back together. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I'm not exactly sure what the schedule was, but this is like in January, you know. Oh wow! In the middle of the, year. so he had to get it back together before he graduated. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Definitely didn't want to be doing that out in the uh, the parking lot. So yeah, it made sense to put it in the room. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, did what was your uh, summers like? What, what kind of summer th jobs did you uh, get? See, I did I, I did Siri Cadre, uh, and my summer at uh, my summer my junior my junior year was really strange because my dad passed away oh. uh, right before right before the summer. Uh, he passed away in. So I miss finals week and stuff. And when I when I got back, I think at the end of May, I ended up getting back. And they uh, all the instructors said I did well enough. I passed them all. I think I only had to take one exam, but uh, that wasn't too bad. And then I did the T forty one training that summer, and that was pretty much it. For me. Uh, did you get I had, I, I had I had college. Uh, um, courses take it at the university of illinois and they counted those for my graduation so wow. I, I i i didn't have to fill my summers with courses which was kind of nice did you get a third lieutenant what was that did you get to go to third lieutenant somewhere oh yes i did yeah that was i think that was 
uh yeah that was the end of my sophomore year i think this was when wasn't it I, I, I think everybody had a different uh summer yeah i think it was the end of my sophomore years when i when i did uh third lieutenant i and i got to go to albuquerque new mexico uh which was kind of interesting i i flew f4s and t38s with the test squadron out there and that was that was a hoot <laughs> i remember I remember the F4, uh, my F4 ride the the best because there's I'm waiting there in in base ops, you know, and and uh, this crusty old, he was it had to be a colonel. He had to be a colonel. He, he comes walking in. He's wearing cowboy boots, you know, <laughs> and uh, he's got this this sort of a not a, a normal scarf, but almost a almost a western type scarf around his neck. And he's wearing a cowboy hat, and he comes walking and says, "How you doing, son?" And he shakes my hand and stuff, and I'm <laughs> trying to salute him, you know. And he he's not accepting. He's a, he had to be an old Vietnam guy. He didn't accept it. He just shook my hand and stuff. Yeah, we're gonna go do this. Here, here's the checklist. I want you to go in the back seat. I want you to run these items. Uh, don't worry about getting them all done. You know, I know you're not familiar with the airplane that much. We'll we'll get through this, and we're gonna go up there and have a good time uh, shooting at other objects in the sky. I said, really? <laughs> wow. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we were supposed to uh, fire a uh, not a sidewinder, an aim aim seven. Okay. One of the radar guidance back then. Okay. Oh, like a Maverick or something, yeah. No, it wasn't well, a Maverick. It was a it was an air to air air to air missile. We we're supposed to fire okay. it at a target. A so anyway, maybe it was a sparrow. This guy takes off and he's talking to me the whole time and levels the airplane like fifty feet and we're just buzzing down the runway. I said, Holy <laughs> shit, and then he pulls it up and I and I shrink into a little person about two feet tall, down into the seat, you know, and he goes, Oh, he didn't tell me that's what he's gonna. Of course not. So no he was way. he was angry. I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> but he was great. That was a, that was a he was a pilot pilot. You know. He, so he compressed you down. He pulled the full six G thing on you and squeezed yeah, in fact, you. Yeah, in fact, I don't. I don't think I ever recovered from. It. I was still like two inches shorter. <laughs> His spinal compression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, okay. yeah, that was that. Oh, I remember my uh who was that? What? Didn't we, oh yeah. After the after Dooley year, between Dooley year and sophomore year, wasn't there another program? Um well we had to do Siri and we had vacation and we had something else. Yeah. Uh I, I went down to Fort Benning and jumped out of plane, so I'm not sure what, what you did. I went to uh shoot. Some air base in Alabama. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Bar oh, it's Barksdale. No, no, was that Barksdale? That's not Alabama, is it? That's, that's Louisiana, I think. Yeah, Louisiana. I think it might have been. It had to be a base that they shut down shortly thereafter because I remember it was gone. But it was there in the deep south, and that was really strange to me. And in fact, it, in fact, it was after after Siri, and I went there, and I was sick. The whole, oh. almost the whole almost the whole time I was puking, I was sick from from uh, uh, from Siri. <laughs> I think we were all sick from Siri. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody had that, a different response. But yeah, I yeah, I was so sick. I was in I was in for like two weeks there, so I only had like another week of of doing whatever it was they wanted me to do there. I think we were cavorting with the uh, NCOs, and since I had been an NCO already, it it was kind of interesting. Oh yeah. And and oh, if you're uh, sick enough, you get the nurses to help you out, right? What? Uh, if you're sick enough, you get nurses to help you out. Yeah, I wasn't that sick. I was just I was just puking, and it was like more like having like uh, stomach flu, and wow. so I basically just stayed in bed the whole time. <laughs> Must have lost about ten pounds. I don't know. It was it was I was pretty bad. <laughs> so so one of the questions I always like to ask is, did you ever think of quitting the academy? Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> no, I did not. I thought that, uh, well, my dually, my dually year at, at 13 squadron, the guy that was my roommate was Mike Luxa and he was the number one guy in the class. Wow. Okay. The number one guy. And 
that summer, uh, he said, bye, I'll see you next next uh, semester. And he, and he sort of said, well, maybe. I go, maybe? He said, yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure I want to do this. I said, you're kidding me. <laughs> you're the number one guy. You got it made. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he came back for a sophomore year, and uh, he's gone. And I heard, I heard uh, through the grapevine that he actually became a truck driver. That's really? what he wanted to do. Well, <laughs> I said, well, I figured it's the guys that really are tough mentally who who get through this. Physically, yeah. most people can handle it, but it's a mental toughness that, that makes a difference. It is a mental drain. <laughs> I will give, I'll give you that one. Yeah. So you you make it all the way to graduation. You throw your hat up in the air, and they send you back to Alabama. No kidding. Yes, they did. Credit Force Base, <laughs> Selma, Alabama. <laughs> so how was that? Uh, well, it was because I was, had had Angie with me at the time, and she'd never been south of uh, Colorado. <laughs> oh. oh boy. So. It, <laughs> It was kind of interesting going there, you know, and and uh, back then, this was 1976. They still had race problems there. I mean, we <laughs> and you could actually see the you know see the problems. They they had guards in front of the churches, and you know the 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 sheriff with the rifle rack on the back of his truck was you know, that. It's it's it might look funny on TV, but that was the truth of things. You know, Cadillacs parked in front of paper tar shacks, and uh, it well, I'm, I'm laughing you say that because I went to a junior high in a little town called Prattville, Alabama. Ah, that's about 50 miles from Selma. We're on the we're on the uh, trail when they marched uh, from Selma to Montgomery, and and when you oh, say yeah. they still have riots, I go, yeah, no, or not riots, but they they saw problems. I go, yeah, they've, they've got problems. They've had problems four or five years ago when I went back to visit. Probably not as overt as they were in your day, but yeah, that that is not a surprising yeah. comment. <laughs> I think I think the reason I saw it a little bit different is because uh, I was not white, and my wife was, and we went we went to anything that we felt like going to, and I think we got a lot of looks. Um, so what what was really funny one night we decided, hey, let's go to one of these tent revival things. What what they really like. <laughs> Oh my! <laughs> so we went to this tent revival that was happening down the road from the airbase, and uh, Angie's kind of giggling and stuff. So we walk in there, and there I am, the only person of color in the whole tent. <laughs> and this guy's yelling and screaming, "Give me five bucks for an amen, amen!" All this stuff, you know, just like just like on TV. <laughs> but anyway, you know, we decided we were going to enjoy some of the things that the South had to offer. Yeah. And now, I, 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 if I follow this correctly, did they close that base? Yes, they closed the base right after I finished T-33s. Now, T-37, sorry, T-33s, yeah. That was another fun thing at the Academy. But uh, <laughs> Well, you got a story? Tell us. Oh, T-30, the T-33 ride. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I went over there to uh, – well, I forget what what was the name of the, oh, Pat, Peterson, Peterson Air Force Peterson Field, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, there was a squadron uh, of four airplanes. Squadron uh, flight from Canada had come down there on that day, and I just started talking to Canadian guys and stuff, and and uh, we're, we're just cutting it up until it's my time to go out and fly. And I come back, and we're still. They, they were just they were waiting there for me, and we talked and stuff. And we, I had a good time with the Canadian guys. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> and uh the the T33 ride was was okay. I enjoyed I enjoyed it. It was a good morale booster. Yeah, it was Reminded pretty cool me of to what be in exactly a... we're there for. <laughs> well, it was pretty cool to be in a, such a small little thing. Yeah. It, it was just the take off and the flying around the mountains and coming back. It, it was short yeah. but it was like, "Whoa, this is really neat." <laughs> yeah, we didn't have crashes. That didn't happen till after we uh, after we left. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, and then and then so you end up uh, advance and Vance puts you promotes you up. Oh to... wait a minute, wait a minute. At, while it was okay. while it was there, was there Craig? Uh, Pete Mapes was with me. Uh, Boo Dodgen. Uh, 
we we were only only had like uh, eight eight guys in our class. Okay. Yeah, us three were from the academy, and everybody else was was National Guard. So they already had their points. You know, when they after they finished their pilot training, they already knew where they were going. So that was kind of okay. interesting. <laughs> there was but one. You guys did not. No, no, because because uh, we didn't come from the National Guard. So. <laughs> yeah, so there's a there was a uh, a tanker guy, F one hundred six squadron guy, and I think uh, there was an F one hundred two guy also, but. But I knew the F-102 was on the way out, so I wasn't too sure what he was going to end up with. <clears throat> anyway, so, so that was, that was, that was yeah. <laughs> while I was there, the funniest thing that happened was uh, when Pete Mapes opened up his uh, his parachute inside the cockpit of the T-37. <laughs> he pulled he pulled on the on the cord before, you know, without knowing that's what he did. <laughs> you didn't hear that one? I, I've heard this one. I want you to I want you to share it from your perspective because. I've, well, I've I, I Pete, just I've heard Pete and Kai talk about, it, but I don't think uh, anybody else has the firsthand knowledge like you have. Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't there, of course, but uh, it, it. I just thought, uh, yeah, that was that was kind of funny. You know, everybody in the in their little group there's laughing at him. <laughs> you know, how Pete gets gets all red yeah. and stuff. And back then, in those days, so. <laughs> I think yeah, he, took, he took it. He took it with a grain of salt, and off we we continued. Uh, the other thing, well, let's see. Boo Dodgen was the other cadet, and I remember him specifically because we were in the altitude chamber, and you know, Boo was a was a chain smoker. Oh, yeah. So to the altitude uh, thing, uh, everybody else has got their masks on already because they're they're done little games and there's boo still still talking away and doing his thing you know he's so used to not having any oxygen in his lungs it didn't bother him <laughs> <laughs> they finally just the, put him back, back on <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like this fresh air <laughs> yeah it's, oh hey it's oxygen i mean just oh man of course, and after this after we got done with that he starts smoking again i said well that's kind of interesting yeah, my my instructor there was a uh, Wild Bill, something I can't remember what his last name was, but we everybody <laughs> called him Wild Bill, uh, Captain Wild Bill. He was a, a C one thirty pilot from Vietnam, oh, and wow. he, yeah, it was kind of interesting because um, he was only like two three years older than me, and uh, and musically we had the same interest you know he he, he we got to talking and so he's, he mentions uh rabbi shankar ravi shankar you know the, the sitar guy and i said oh yeah i got some of his stuff he says you do so he came over and we had dinner you know he brought his wife and we had dinner and stuff and we listened to indian music on my uh real to real tape recorder <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, his story his story about me though is pretty good because we were this is our this is the first first flight you know and we're up in the pattern and he's telling me what i need to do so um let's see what i say i said flaps flaps 20 or whatever that was at that time 25 i think it was and and i i started my turn my turn uh from base going into the landing and the horn is going off beep beep and i press the button he says lee what's that horn for so i don't know it's making a lot of noise though <laughs> <laughs> said, no, no, you got to put that gear down, gear down. I said, okay, gear down. <laughs> You're gonna crash, oh god. Oh yeah, uh, we were, we were still, we was just about halfway through the turn. I still had plenty of altitude, but <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. What's that horn? I, said, I don't know, but it's making a lot of noise. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out when we get down. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, so, anyway, so. so so we advance advanced Air Force Base because they closed down the the training uh, after I get them T-33s there at Craig. And boy, that was it was cold advance. Oh, the wind was blowing all the time. <laughs> and when I got there, I was three months ahead of where the where the class was gonna be. So I had to wait three months. Oh wow. I didn't like so they they gave me some little jobs somewhere, and that's what I did for so three months. Around, 
Was that Enid, Oklahoma is where Vance Enid, is? Oklahoma, yeah. And uh, while I was there, I went and I watched Star Wars three times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Liked it. Love that movie. Anyway, uh, so it's a T-38s. Had a great time with T-38s. Uh, and then, mm-hmm. then, then you get get your assignment for uh, the real airport. Yeah, for for uh, for my assignment, I put down. I'll take a C one thirty anywhere. That was my first mistake. Anyway, <laughs> so I, I put down I put down Germany as my area first because Angie was German. That's where we wanted to go. So of course they send you to Japan. <laughs> but, yeah, they were they were allies at one time. Yeah, so, in Japan for three years. Uh, well, first, wait a minute. First, we went to. Uh, uh, Washington. Um, McCord. No, no, the other. Fairchild. Yeah, to Fairchild, and uh, they I did my training there. I was the only guy there, and they put this rubber raft down in the middle of the swimming pool. I was like, hey, swim into, out to the raft and get in. So I swam out there, got in. Says, okay, you passed. And that was done. <laughs> that, that was, was my own, that's that's my water thing. training. Wow. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we sent. We, then we have to head down to uh, San Francisco to catch the flight that goes to Japan. Um, yeah. So, uh, what's the name of that base in San Francisco now? Uh, Alameda or mm-hmm. Travis hey. or Travis? Travis. I get, yeah, we had to catch a flight from Travis to Anchorage. Anyway, Angie was sick; she had double ear infection, so we had to sit there for a week. So that sort of messed up that part of the trip. But anyway, uh, so I got to I got to treat her while she was in bed, and I got to go and get sandwiches and stuff all the time. Uh, so that was that was not fun, but it was okay. <laughs> we finally get to Japan, and uh, great. That's a that was a fun fun base for the C one thirty guys. Uh, at that at that particular time, we were intact. Uh, tactical huh. air command. So uh, when I got there, they said, oh, the captain does this, the captain does this, blah, 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 blah. Like, everything is the captain makes all the decisions, you know? I said, well, this is kind of, this is kind of fun. It's almost like, you know, being a fighter pilot. Yeah. Anyway, we the our first night there, uh, my sponsor's name was George something or other. He takes Angie Knight to the off club and, and they had Mon- Mongolian going that night. So we did our order and he showed us what needed to do. Got back to the table and with our food and we Angie and I start eating with our forks. He says, No, 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 you're in Japan now. You gotta learn how to use chopsticks. Oh god. <laughs> so I ended up with a sore hand for the rest of the week after eating with chopsticks. But I'm going with uh, chopsticks, that's great. Yeah. But uh, it was uh it's quite fun. Being there in that squadron, they, we had a lot of uh, commitments flying out to the islands uh, for the Coast Guard, resupply Coast Guard, uh, Loran stations. Oh, wow. Yeah. They still so had Loran back in those days. Did you go out to so, like Wake Island, Midway Island, those kind of places? Uh, not Wake Island, but uh, uh, small islands, but... They're more, not more than a thousand miles off the coast of Japan. So we went to a place called Manami, Torishima, Iwo Jima. Um, uh, what's some other ones? We did, we did get, uh, we did get down to uh, the Solomon Islands too, because they, they assigned that to us to fly down there. Wow! Um, so you, so, you've so been to Iwo Jima? Yeah, we went to Truck. Um, yeah, and some other places. Anyway, and, and of course, and of course, we had to, we had to go to Korea for uh, for Team Spirit and a couple of other things. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, I got my time flying C one thirties there, and and while I was there, I uh, uh, my last year there, which would have been seven no eighty one. I got there in seventy eight. So yep. uh, eighty uh, eighty one, um, uh, they sent me to to back to uh, Little Rock for. AC upgrade came back to Japan and and uh, just in time for spirit. Of course, they put me on the airplane there, and I'm I'm the captain, and and they send us to I think it's Yechan, and this was like February. Uh-huh. Team Spirit starts in March, I think it is. 
the end of March. So we went to Yechan and we're supposed to start supplying these places and we dump our stuff out and uh, we're getting ready to leave, go back to Kadena, uh, which is where okay. we took off from. Went back, going back to Kadena and it's, you know, it's like 20 degrees outside and the wind is blowing at 30 miles an hour. And uh, <laughs> the load master says, uh, Captain, we got a problem. I said, what is it? Said, it looks like we got fuel leak. So I went back there and sure enough, right out of the SPR panel, uh, which is the refueling panel in C-130, fuel is leaking. Oh, no. And, oh, shit. Uh, so uh called up Kadena and said, what should we do? And they said, wait, 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 wait. So, <laughs> of course, three hours later, we're still waiting. I called them and said, what do you want us to do? It's getting cold. It's getting dark. We don't have anywhere to stay tonight. It says, oh, well, the plane, yeah. Yeah, this <laughs> was, yeah, right. Not in this weather, we don't. Yeah. We have... One at least one person would die from frostbite. Anyway, so the C-130 came in, and they and they said, "Where were you guys going?" I said, "We're going to Kadena." I said, "Really?" So I called, I called them, I called Kadena up, said, "Hey, we're going back, we're going back to Kadena, taking a hop on this C-130." It says, "Oh wait, wait a minute, no, no, that's what we're doing. We're not going to spend the night here inside the C-130. I think we, uh, th there were no army facilities." anything on this base because yeah. we, we were just starting to uh to supply it so told the crew let's go here let's lock up the airplane so we picked up the airplane got on the other c-130 went back to Kadena, and we landed and the commander well at that point sorry at that point we had be had gone to mac so we're in the mac system so it's uh, all these orders from above so this the commander there calls me over in his office and he's sitting there. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. You left us separate. I left it locked up, sir, and I knew exactly what I was doing. He says, "Well, let me go. Let me call your commander right now." So he calls back to you, Cody. Blah 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 blah. blah, blah. The commander <laughs> says, well, "Let me talk. Let me talk with Captain Quibus." Yes, sir. Okay. So he says, "Lee, what are you doing?" He says, "Well, I left the thirty there at Yechan because it was twenty degrees." Uh, and getting colder and the wind was blowing and we had no facilities. So I hopped our crew onto the other scene with 30, came back to Kadena. He said, smart move. Let me talk with the colonel. So I gave the phone back and says, blah, blah, blah. I could hear, I could hear him yelling in the, into the mouthpiece on the other side. Blah, 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 blah. The colonel says, and he's looking at me. He says, puts the phone down, says, okay, son, you're clear to go. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good that you were able to, uh, well, you know, and have a and it didn't hurt anybody. I mean, it locked up. No, up. I mean, yeah, it's well, not going anywhere. <laughs> people 1500 miles away were trying to make these decisions and they didn't have any idea, even though we told them what was going on, they didn't they didn't have an idea what they were going to do. So, anyway, they ended up fixing the airplane while we're still, still there, Kadena. We did some other things. So, um, so that you got to go from uh, Yakota to Germany finally. Yeah, you go to Germany, and in Germany, I was with the seventy uh, four fifth Special Operations Squadron, Ooh, and the Berlin for Lunch Bunch guys. We'd fly from Frankfurt to Berlin using the three quarters that that uh, that were specified in the in the uh, in the treaty right after World War Two, yeah. and while we were flying those quarters, we would be spying. <laughs> Our airplanes uh, were. Uh, were camouflaged with U.S. markings, but they we had secret panels with cameras and all kinds of stuff on the airplane, and we flew into Berlin at like 150 miles an hour. <laughs> nice. And so slow. we're we're not that obvious, were we? Yeah. Uh, anyway, we we in our uniforms we don't have any patches, and we carry a red diplomatic passport with us. Wow! And that's how we flew. We were we were a secret operation. So and, and uh, you did that for quite a while, right? Yeah, for five years I did that. That was uh, very exciting. We, uh, I, in fact, one of the missions I, uh, I got volunteered for and went on was the we did a special spy mission uh, trip down to Panama uh, with one of our airplanes, and we flew around Nicaragua mm. and the other countries there. Uh, Keep a tab. I think a guy's name was Noriega at the time yeah, in Nicaragua. Communist guy. Uh, I can't remember all that stuff anymore. 
I was going to say, did you play a lot of rock music for him? Because that, that's what they got him out of the hiding was with a bunch of horrible music, I guess. <laughs> uh, is that what that was? Okay. They, yeah, he was holed up after after the invasion and everything. He he was held up in, in, a, in a room and they kept playing music and he finally came out after three or four days of that. I didn't know that. Yeah. That that was, at least that's what they told the public. You know, oh, okay. That was what we were okay. reading about back in the States. Uh-huh. Well, see, while I was there, we had no communication with oh, back yeah. home. Where Angie was in Germany, we could, I couldn't write her back home. I had, I had to uh, write to our post office at Pope Air Force Base because that's where we were. Mm. <laughs> no well, Pope. I, I, Pope. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to get you in trouble with any secret stuff, so let's... Uh, it should, it shouldn't be. It's, it shouldn't be secret anymore. The airplanes are destroyed already. Okay. Yeah, everything I touch is a mothballs or a museum myself. <laughs> yeah, this the, these airplanes were mothballs till about ten years ago. Then they destroyed them. They wow. they took all the equipment out. I think they ended up putting in another C one thirty that's been flying out and out of Panama. I well, don't you, know. You I don't would, know for sure. You would know about the mothballs and the destruction because you live down there now, right? Oh yeah, the yeah, the, the Davis Monthan and the, all the uh, all the airplanes down there. Yeah. So that was your I, last. I, I have a bunch of friends. I have a bunch of friends who actually worked down there, so it's kind of neat. Well, I was gonna say that was your last active duty Air Force job, right? Going down right. to Davis Monthan. Yeah, that was uh after after I came back from Germany, went to Davis Monthan. And then, so this this might be a tricky question, but what made the decision for you to go from? Uh, uh, C-130 pilot to UPS Boeing pilot. Okay. Well, while I was there at, at DM, uh, let's see the first, well, the first couple of weeks I got there, they're telling me what they're going to do. And they showed me all this stuff. And I, and, uh, I said, no way are you going to fly a C-130 at 200 knots at 18,000 feet and jam missile silos in Europe. You will do it one time. That was it. That would be it. And then the Russians would shoot you down because we had, uh, well, I had, well, we had intel information of them practicing shooting down AWACS airplanes. They would come in the treetop, treetop level, then zoom up to 35,000 feet to shoot down AWACS type airplanes. Yeah. Without being, without being noticed on the radar. And AWACS well, little faster than a 130. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and I and I and I and I, I told these guys while I was there, this is this is what we you know we trained for, and we we told people about while we're in Europe that uh, even the AWACS is injured over there, and they go, oh really? They didn't know about. I said, you guys didn't know about this? Wow. I said, no, we didn't know about this. So they told us that we're gonna we're gonna jam uh, twenty miles from the uh, forward edge of battle. I said. Really? <laughs> like I told you, it, it'll only happen one time. You guys, you guys will not be able to do it more than once. Wow. <clears throat> so anyway, that was that's that's how I got in good with those people. <laughs> and uh, so you can figure out when I got there, there were uh, uh, two colonels, four lieutenant colonels, about six majors, and uh, I was one of the senior captains. <laughs> all the all the jobs were taken when I got I, and and I, so I get into well, what do you guys want me to do? There's no there's no positions open there for me. So well, well you know learn the airplane and stuff, and we'll see what we can do. I said, great, <laughs> this is going to be super. So I learned how to fly the airplane and all the stuff, and uh, and while I was there, since I. Actually, had all this. I had four thousand hours C one thirty experience. I think I had more than than the uh, the commander. Wow. So, so they would send me up on all these special uh, air refueling missions. He had this general come through. He wanted to see the operation. Of course, he wanted to see air refueling done from a C one thirty. So, I'd, I'd be the I'd be the captain up. I'd fly him, you know, and hook him in and show him what the C one thirty can do and blah blah blah. And uh, so, I—that's what I did. And I didn't—I didn't have any job in uh, in uh, scheduling or anything like that because those were all taken by the guys who wanted to get promoted. <laughs> I said, "Oh, great!" I just thought it was not a very good uh, 
very good idea. So I said, I said to myself, self, uh, looks like this is going to be your last Air Force, Air Force job and you're going to go do something else. So, uh, what's it, a year? Let's see, this is 19, it would be 1980. 88's what I got written down. I'm not sure. What... Yeah, 88. It would be the, the beginning of 88, I started looking, uh, uh, going to other airline interviews and stuff. I went to U.S. Air and all, all that and um, went to Ontario, California for my UPS interview. Um, after that, I, I was I was going to – I remember getting on a C-130 in – I'm not C-130, uh, 747 in San Francisco – uh, jump back then the military guys could jump seat on these airplanes for free. Oh, wow. I said, wow. Okay. So I, I, I was going to go to, uh, um, uh, Miami, Florida for a interview with, uh, um, blue, 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 blue. Uh, <laughs> what's the name of that airline? Pan Am. <laughs> Pan Am. Oh, oh. And, and I, and I'm talking with the the captain up there, and he's talking to me, and he says, uh, "Lee, uh, you know that uh, this company is going to be gone within a year." I said, "Really?" And he was kind of <laughs> quiet about it. I said, "He said, yeah, really. Trust me, this on this, this we're we're falling apart. Everything is going to the shit. Do you really want to go to this interview?" I said, "Well, let me think about it." So it just so happened that before before we took off from Miami, I went downstairs and called my wife. Uh, Angie said, "Hey, UPS just called to offer you a job." I said, "Really? Huh. <laughs> this is fantastic!" So I go back up to the captain and said, "Hey, you know, I just got offered a job by UPS. What do you think?" He said, "I would take it." Yeah. I said, "Okay, well, thank you very much. We'll see you later." He said, "Okay, we'll see you later. Good luck." So I went. I went. Uh, that was before I went to for my UPS interview. Oh no! After that, I got a job. Went to Louisville, Kentucky for training. That was definitely different uh being trained by civilians instead of military guys okay so uh, um the way they see things uh we get we get trained uh basically with a chain of command and 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 the, and the, the way to think through the problem where where the civilian guys don't quite get that as much so uh, normally, when the guy gets trained in an airplane, civilian, he's already sitting in the left seat. Most of the time, okay. Unless you're, you know, just trying to get hours to actually be a pilot, you you rarely do you sit in the right seat. I said, oh, okay, great. So anyway, it 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 came to fruit one day when we took off from Louisville and we're going down to uh, Atlanta. Uh, on a DC-8, I got trained on the DC-8 as an engineer, but I uh, I upgraded to first officer about a year, uh, year and a half. About a year and a half, I was a first officer, and I was getting a check ride going from Louisville to Atlanta. And uh, for some reason, the captain's radio started going in and out, and it wasn't working very well, and I was making the radio calls. And he says, okay, lady, you got it, and uh, I'm going to see what I can do here. So he's, he starts unscrewing my, my radio panel. I said, no, 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 don't touch my radio panel. Yeah. Go to the, go to the nav- navigation station and get that panel. He says, oh, and I said, because if you touch mine, we're going to be totally out of communication. He said, oh, okay, so blah, 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 and he, he did it that way, and it worked just fine. <laughs> anyway, after after we landed, um, the uh, – the check pilot says, Lee, you, you were in the military, weren't you? He says, yeah. He says, well, okay, I could tell because you told the captain exactly what he needed to know. And then you took the action, which I saw that was really good. They passed the check ride, so no problem. Now, I said, okay. Well, the, 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 the captain and a civilian pilot, he had never been in the military. So his thing, his way of thinking through things was different. He saw he saw the problem. He saw the problem. Saw the answer right sitting right next to where the problem was, and decided that he was going to switch the radios. I said, "No, no." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. That's, that's, now you became a pretty uh, high fluting guy at UPS, right? I w- at UPS. I was. Uh, let's see. I I I was number five hundred sixty hired, and okay. we ended up with like uh, 
50,000 pilots. So I was pretty senior. So my schedule was basically almost anything I wanted it to be. And most of, most of the time I'd stay here in Tucson and I'd, I'd commercial flight to somewhere else to pick up the airplane and start my flying for the week or the or two weeks, whatever that was. Uh, normally uh, I flew the DC-8 uh, from Anchorage to Seoul to, to um, Taipei or wherever else on the, in the far east gonna go uh because i love wow. flying over there. kind of fun you know i've been to those places before <laughs> so i you... ended up with a, i ended up accumulating almost forty thousand hours worth of uh flying while i was there at ups so i ended up with i don't know almost fifty thousand uh total flying hours wow and, and that's so... in all the different careers yeah, uh, I was, flew the DCA for 20 years, um, and then at that at that point they they decided they were going to cut the DC-8, so they stopped flying it, and they switched me over to the 7576. Unfortunately, when they cut the DC-8, there was about I don't know uh, a couple hundred guys who had to be trained in the other airplanes, so I had like a year off of flying before I even started training on the seven, five, seven, six. Okay. So it was kind of fun sitting around here earning oodles of money, not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> get you ready for retirement, right? <laughs> yeah. Get me ready for retirement. So, uh, I, yeah, the uh, seven, five, seven, six, the last four years I was there at UPS did not like that airplane at all. Uh, huh. too much automation for me. Okay. I like I like being able to sit in there and actually being in control of the airplane, having to be thinking about what to do and when to do and stuff. But the, you know, when the machine does it, it makes you very lazy. Yeah. And the machine does all the answers, and you know, and you just sit there and monitor the dumb thing, and it can screw up, and you might not even notice it because you're not doing the you're not doing the mental work it takes to to do the flying. <laughs> so it's kind of strange, and I understood why those uh, uh, Air France had those uh, those terrible crashes and stuff uh, with Airbuses because the guys were relying totally on the machine. Yeah, it was sad. Anyway, yeah, it gets that way. I, so you, this has triggered one last thing for me, and that was uh, when I was in the reserves. I had airline pilots who were my pilots in my EA six squadron up at Whidbey. And whenever we'd get in the plane, they'd be taking the plane out and just wrapping it around and putting all the G's on they could just because they were so tired of letting the autopilot do everything for them. Ah. And uh, I bet that's probably what got you into the to the final topic of today, and that is your, your hobby of racing cars. Oh, that's my okay. Uh, yeah, I haven't flown in I haven't flown an airplane for eight years now almost. Yeah, eight years, almost like that. And uh, but I, I did buy uh, a Porsche before I got out of UPS, and and my wife uh, Angie let me buy it. I said, great. So and I took it out in the racetrack, and I totally enjoyed running it around at a hundred some odd miles an hour on the racetrack. And cool. uh, so that's uh, that's what I get to do. That's my adrenaline rush. <laughs> That's great, and and you. So you've been doing that. You did that before you left UPS, though, right? Yeah, I started. I started doing it. Uh, I think it was about two years before I left UPS. So, <laughs> and is this a? You're not like in the the Formula One thing. What 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 do you? No, no, your, no. Your circuit. This is, this is this is more amateur. But I'm uh yeah I'm a I'm a Porsche certified instructor driver. I guess you would call it, and. Uh, and that's what I do. I, I get out of the track with these uh, the new Porsche guys, and and you know, they think it's hot shit going straight line, 140 miles an hour. And I said, no, that's not sh- that ain't nothing until you try to turn this thing on a corner. You know, <laughs> here's how you do it. Blah, 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 you know. And they're all aghast on you know going around the corner sideways and stuff like this. Say, hey, yeah, this is how you you're gonna end up learning how to do this. I said, oh wow, just like in the movies. I said, yeah, but not quite. You're actually doing it. You're not watching it. <laughs> you're gonna feel the G forces, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's, and that's one thing they don't they don't realize the G forces uh will tire you out. And you oh, don't yeah. even know that you're doing it because you're in a you're on the ground in the car. 
Oh yeah, no, that lateral G stuff that can be that can be pretty tricky in a car. Yeah, I, I, my sports car days are long gone, but yes, I remember pulling pulling the G's a lot of times. Well, I still I still have uh, I still have two Porsches. I got one for show, which I keep nice and clean, and then I have my race car, which I don't keep nice and clean, but <laughs> it, it it runs very nicely. Cool. Well, I thank you for this today. This has been fun. Hey. John, never had a chance to talk with one of the guys about all this stuff. This is, this is, uh, they're all going to enjoy listening to it. Let me tell you, we're going to hear some feedback, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. <laughs>